but it takes practice. You know, it's like a dancing partner. You're not always great when you first start dancing with the partner. You're going to step on toes. You're going to sweat <laughs> on them a little bit. But uh, over oh, wait, time, wait a minute. Let me write this down. <laughs> uh, over time, you keep practicing. You keep dancing and just I'm talking about participation in AA. And if you've got some time and it's your turn to be the old timer and you're rusty at it, just keep trying because eventually you'll get the rhythm. You can speak your truth. And you know what? Being an old timer is all relative. I I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Such an alcoholic. Hi, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hey, Don. How are you? I'm a lot better than I think I am. (laughs) I'm glad to know that. Hey, today we're having coffee with Diana L. I met Diana at the Area 51 Assembly. We had a podcast about that not too long ago. Sure enough. I heard her speak and got to talk to her personally afterwards, and we're in for a treat. Well, so is is she a real alcoholic? I don't think she's pretending. (laughs) (laughs) But back when I was drinking, I would pretend I was an alcoholic. Pretend? I did. I I think it was a defense mechanism. So I couldn't be a real alcoholic if I was pretending like I'm an alcoholic. I like romanticized winos. God, wino. I'm a wino. And I would get a bottle of Orange Driver. I was about to say it was cheap wine. Richard's Wild (laughs) Irish Rose, which I gave a guy some money that was hanging out on the street or drunk. He said, oh, if this is enough for me to get a little man. So me and my friends called a pocket bottle of wine a little man. Because it was cool. It was very cool. I'm not a real alcoholic. I'm just pretending to be an alcoholic. So is this kind of like a fake it till you Mm -hmm. make it kind of thing? (laughs) Well, I made it. (laughs) Eventually, I made it. And had to admit that I had a real problem with alcohol. I loved to sing Tom Waits songs. The piano has been drinking, not me. And I don't have a drinking problem except when I can't get a drink. Those were lyrics from his songs. And I love singing that stuff. And and it's like you can be creative. I'm an artist and... uh, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm an artist. I called myself an alcoholic in the days when I maybe hadn't tipped over yet. But, you know, it was a badge of honor. This is like something to be proud of. Right. You know, what's interesting is I wouldn't say that I'm proud to be an alcoholic today, but I'm grateful. Now, how is that? How can that be? Well, because my alcoholism drove me to my knees and made me try something someone else's way. And I wound up having a life that is beyond incredible in so many ways I never could have even begun to imagine. Precisely the same with me. Now I don't drink and it's been years and I thought that I would lose my creativity. I would not be an artist anymore. 
and all the great artists in history suffered and were alcoholics. And I needed that to be able to really be in touch with myself and express the real Don. And it was not true. And I'm more creative than I ever been and have a better life than I could have imagined as well. Yeah, you're really good at expressing yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. After everything has been edited. <laughs> well, so we're going to have coffee with Diana, and then later she'll be answering a question from Alan in Buffalo, Minnesota, a listener who called in. You can call in with a question or recovery-related joke at 212-870-3418. You can get that number at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Diana. I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is August 4th, 1982. I got sober when I was 15, to just save you the math, and I uh, got sober in Long Beach, California, but I've been living in New York City for about six years, and my home group is the 79th Street Workshop, but I also like to go to the Donut Holes meeting group and also to the Manhattan group. I've never heard of a group with workshop as their name. What is a unique it's, format to it? No, it's a large AA group. I guess there's probably 40 or 50 meetings a week. So they have early, early, starting at 6 or 7.15. Obviously, I don't go there that early. <laughs> but um, all the way up till 10 o'clock at night. You're a home group member there? Yeah. You I, don't go to all the meetings? No. <laughs> I don't think she could. No, I don't. I don't. I go to the meetings usually after work, and I have a commitment there. Well, Diana, tell us what happened to you that made you decide to quit drinking and go to AA. You asked that so nicely. That's so funny. I usually get, what the heck happened? <laughs> what happened? Like, oh my God, you know, what was the moment of impact bug to windshield? You know, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I it was not a big bright flash of light or any intelligent awareness on my part. It was, I would say, ironically, thanks to AA members who were taking the time to talk to the employment assistant professional at my mother's job about AA. I guess that was a good enough conversation that whoever was working there kept a few of the pamphlets. And my mother came there talking about the worry she had about her daughter who's having a problem with drinking and drugs and was handed some of these pamphlets as one of several options that she might want to explore. And my mom, I think being desperate enough, she waited till I was having a particularly rough morning, hungover, figuring out what am I going to do? How am I going to avoid a bunch of problems? And she caught me at the right time. And said, you know, do you think you have a problem with alcohol? I think so. And I, I said, yes. I told her I felt like I was sliding down a funnel every time I was trying to do something about it. That's how I made my way to the treatment center. It was a vehicle to get to meetings for me. 
-hmm. So I honestly didn't think, I just came there, you know, as open-minded as people who are beat up can be. I just wasn't sure, but I definitely needed some time in AA to understand that I, that AA was for me, you know? So I always like to, I appreciate you asking because a lot of people will assume, oh, you must've been so smart. No. (laughs) (laughs) Just beaten down and desperate. Basically. And offered a solution. uh, And was fortunate to be in a part of town where there were AA members talking to professionals. So, But you were very young. Did you feel like you were too young to be an alcoholic? I was shocked. The fact that I went, I was like, yeah, I I mean, I have a problem. I thought I was going to aversion therapy. These alternatives where they would give you alcohol and give you electric shock therapy or help you puke. And so that was supposed to cure you and into wanting to drink. And I'm, I thought I was going to that and I was kind of okay with it. Cause I had tried everything in my power. My drinking every time seemed to be a good time to go get drunk with my friends. And if I came across somebody, it just seemed like this is a good conversation. We should go find something to drink. And I think I didn't really start seeing a relationship to me and alcohol until the very end of my drinking, I was in a lot of trouble. I had tried to go, it was a geographic. I went to Bunky, Louisiana, where my family is from. And I was trying to go there to get help. They treated me with a lot of love as all families do who are concerned. All that love and the way that they connect with their higher power, it lasted for a month. And then I started drinking in that small town and the wheels fell off. And I got sent back home early. And that was a moment of clarity where I had this, oh, all these problems are happening and I'm drinking. Hmm. And that's all it was. But that was just enough, I guess, is what I'm trying to convey. A lot of us are so lost and broken. All we have is a moment where we're saying, hmm, (laughs) problems, me, alcohol, hmm. But yeah. by coming to the meetings, you know, is where I started hearing people talk about their relationship to alcohol, which for me, it just seemed like they felt like it was their best friend. Right. I couldn't knit my drinking to the problems that I had in my life. I didn't realize that this is what's causing all the problems. And really what a, a bottom is, is when an alcoholic For the first time we go, I can't deny that my drinking has something to do with my problems. (laughs) Every time I drink, I throw up or every time I drink, I get an electric shock. I accidentally shock myself. That therapy you're talking about is trying to get to connect the two. Moment of truth. I feel like for me, a bottom is when we hit the truth in a way that makes us slow down. Like I was unable to see the truth. I was unable to not drink. I guess I was unable to see that relationship you just talked about, but I feel like that moment I saw a little bit of that truth, but I don't, I like to say by factory design as an alcoholic, we're just unable (laughs) to see that truth when it comes to alcohol, we have that blind spot. And there's, that's why going to the meetings were so helpful because I would hear how, how fun the good times, like, oh my God, these people are laughing about stuff that I think is funny about alcohol and how good it is and how it is like a best friend. I remember feeling embarrassed to talk about that in junior high 
people used to brag about being a party animal. Mm-hmm. And then one time I tried to brag. I talked about it in such a loving way. Like it was awkward. Like, like <laughs> I really loved alcohol. People were kind of giving you the look, but in AA, I realized you could sit there with your coffee cup and your cigarette and just people were very open about it. And it just gave me hope that I will see the truth about myself. And by the end of it, I started to see all, I I had more problems than I knew that Mm -hmm. I had. And at that point I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. But it was not slam dunk. I was very scared. The thought of me giving up alcohol forever one day at a time oh yeah and then after a year and a half of like teeth clacking crazy sober Mm -hmm. that's in chapter four i realized that's where my sponsor we read that more about alcoholism and i saw after a year and a half of not drinking oh my god i'm an alcoholic like to my innermost self so sorry Mm. that's a long answer for a simple question but no but that's a very (laughs) common experience i think I would have said, I don't hide my drinking. That's an alcoholic. Then I heard in a speaker meeting that throwing all my empty beer cans away in five different locations so they wouldn't pile up was hiding my drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Hiding my drinking is not necessarily taking a drink in the closet. It's it's, right. it's so many different things. You know, I really enjoyed, Diana, you talking about that moment of clarity. I had a number of those. The ahas were starting to add up. It became something I couldn't deny. That's where I feel like we all get here at the time we are ready. And if you're still drinking and you just can't quite put it down yet, just keep coming back to meetings. I'd say there's like 365 days on a calendar. Okay. One of them's going to be your date. We just don't know which one. Like if we knew we could have two beers when we needed to just have two beers, but we can't. We're powerless too. So you just got to keep coming back like we do, you know? And what you're talking about is being sober over a period of time is involves letting go more and more. And it's a journey that we have in recovery. I'm going to try to get you to tell a specific story that I heard you tell, which is the one about. Thanks for the heads up in case I miss it. Yeah. (laughs) It's so difficult to just say you're an alcoholic. Can you name a, an incident that happened where you surrendered? And- well, I appreciate you mentioning that story. Roy was in the front row. I was five or six months in. I can see it looking back. I was afraid to let go. Man. I was at the podium. I got called on to share at the participation meeting on Friday night. It was Friday night, big book. And it was all these people. And it was, you could have heard a pin drop because They knew something was going to happen. They just didn't know when. And he said at the podium, hey, Diana, are you an alcoholic, Diana, dear? Looked right in him in the face like, I dare you. Like, it was totally, we were locking horns. And I was like, Mm -hmm. no. Like, what? And he was like, well, this is an open meeting. We're so glad you're here. But we ask that only alcoholics come to the podium and share their experience, strength, and hope. I didn't know what to say about that because, I mean, You can argue with people's opinion, but you can't argue with their experience. And so I had nothing. So I just took off in a huff out the door. Very dramatic. Mm -hmm. Scarlett O'Hara. Boom. (laughs) 
The only problem was I, I couldn't leave AA forever because my ride was in the meeting and she was just like, oh girl, oh girl, don't even, I have my hands up like, oh, I can't even see you right now, but I'm, I feel for you girl, but I just can't. And so it was terrible because I, one more time, that reaction, that fear just took me outside of AA, outside the door. Mm-hmm. And there I was standing there at the turning point, literally, and I could have left, but what happened, the meeting just went on fire and people were like, apparently discussing it. And somebody came out, a lady came out, she did have a big book. She just said, chapter three, you know, let's look at this, read this paragraph. And then when I came to switching from scotch to brandy, she says, you know, we all have a story to tell in AA and not all of us literally switch from scotch to brandy to treat our drinking problem. And she just really invited me to come back in the meeting and have an open mind. So I sat in the back with her. I was so peeled zero. I felt devastated and hurt, but it was such a great beginning because that's when I made a decision for myself. Am I an alcoholic? What the hell does that mean? And I looked at some of the literature a little bit and I decided, okay, I'm going to be an addict alcoholic (laughs) and kind of the more I came around it was going to meetings with that open mind am I an alcoholic am I an addict like what is this and then I realized oh I am more of an alcoholic and that took time and by the time I hit that year and a half mark I had done some things like self will run riot when you have alcoholism it's like driving a car blindfolded No matter how good and skillful you are, you're just unable to see what you need to see. And I realized more about alcoholism was more about alcoholism in sobriety. Switching from scotch to brandy. Oh my God, I have been switching countless vain attempts to prove that I'm not an alcoholic, that I could drink like other people, but it didn't look that way. It looked like, oh, I'm trying to be teenager and I'm trying to be like those other teenagers who aren't in AA and I wasn't willing to surrender so yeah holding yourself outside yes holding myself outside it's time for ask the old timer got a question for an old timer call in and record it at 212-870-3418 or email it to podcast at aagrapevine.org. You can find these and more at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. And now, let's ask the old time. Hey, um, this is Alan S. from Buffalo, Minnesota, and I have an ask the old timer question, and that is, um, how does an elder states person know um, that they're actually transforming into a bleeding deacon? Thoughts? Well, I think I first realized that I was a bleeding deacon. Nobody's listening. You start thinking like, AA sucks, man. That's not what it used to be. You go to the podium and I share and I give, 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 and nobody's doing what I say or willing to go to any lengths like me. And What I realized (laughs) is it wasn't just isolated cases. All the people I was trying to help, They just weren't listening. They weren't appreciative. So how I know that that was a bleeding deacon moment was there was an air of self-righteousness to it. 
I was not carrying the message of my experience, strength, and hope. I was crusading the message. I believe in my experience, when I allow my higher power and I'm becoming a we, and we're going to carry this message, which is my experience, strength, and hope, you're carrying it like you're carrying, I'm carrying a gift to you. You've invited me to dinner and I'm bringing it with gratitude and love, you know, like, hey, I'm going to your house. That's so nice. They're taking the time out. There's that pleasantness to it. And if I showed up at the door and you said, oh my God, I'm so sorry, you know, I have to cancel something happened or I just can't do it tonight. I might be a little bummed, but I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, no problem. We're going to do it another time. And oh, here, have this. And I would leave it there for you use it whenever, or we'll catch up later. So when I'm crusading the message, let's just say it isn't like that. It's like, you know, a scene from Halloween, you know, (laughs) and you know what, you're not listening and you're not doing it my way. So let me push harder. And it's that air of self-directed sobriety where I'm still the actor running the whole show, except instead of on the stage, all my props are sober props. And that's a thing I have to work on all the time as an old timer. I have like that daily reprise, please help me have the wisdom to know the difference. In this case, the difference between self-directed, you know, am I carrying the message or am I crusading? Am I trying to work with my higher power and allow myself to be useful? I'm not bringing the flag and running and charging. But I want to say this because the other side is true. You have to have the courage to speak up. So there's times where it's your turn. It's your turn to stand up and speak the truth of wisdom as an old timer. You got to be willing to speak the truth and sometimes doing it at a group level or after a meeting or before a meeting, people can say, oh, you're being a bleeding deacon. The difference is you will find yourself not being anemic. You know, you, you might be nervous and shaky speaking the truth, but just go for it. You'll find out very quickly if you're being a bleeding deacon or being an elder statesman by speaking up. Yeah. I love the way that you've drew in. Well, how do you draw the distinction and when I do need to stand up and say the difficult thing, be the crusty old timer. Absolutely. Uh, We can say that without being crusty. Yeah. You just say like, Hey, you know what? I'm willing to risk your anger. I'm willing to be top on your list today. There's always a nice way to say it. Like, Hey, you know what? I'm about to say something that you may not agree with, or I'll say, you know, I've been sober X a number of years. I might be wrong, but here's how I see it. It's important. Sam, do you still have the grapevine daily quote that happened to be up today? I can have it. This is from Garden Hose Sobriety, El Paso, Texas, October 2006, in the book Spiritual Awakenings 2 by A.A. Grapevine. When I effectively practice my program, I am only a cheap dime store garden hose carrying God's message of hope, recovery, and forgiveness. So that's that's humility saying that I'm just a 10 cent cheap garden hose. And that's the beauty of AA. You can be as broken. If the best you've got is 3% and a bag of chips, that's enough. Your higher power and the we of AA is going to make up the difference. And to me, I love that. A new freedom and new happiness 
I get to be the garden hose. It doesn't matter if you're 10 cents cheap. It doesn't matter if you need to have a $15 hose. It's all good. As long as you are clear about that you are the garden hose and that you're willing to do the work to allow as much water to go where it needs to go, I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, hey, Alan, thank you so much for uh, calling in with that question. And folks, just again, if you want to call in with a question, you can see how at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. I wanted to ask you, Sam and I, this is a new world for both of us being special workers. You work at GSO. Yes. So I noticed that you didn't volunteer that you work at GSO. I was waiting for you to ask because I was happy to talk about it, but I wanted to be respectful, like not to Bogart. I don't know if you right. smoke pot in the 70s, but... Bogart. I, I know no, what Bogart means. I did it in the Bogart. 80s. I was Humphrietta. <laughs> and I Bogart. Oh I was such a Humphrietta. So you're cautious about it. Yeah, be I think it's mindful, be cautious. So here's the question that I have. Say that I'm in an AA meeting and the topic of conversation. There is something about a spiritual experience. I had a God cookie happen to me on the podcast talking with someone. Yeah. Do I have to conceal the fact that I do the podcast or is it okay to talk about it if it's not self-promotion, but I'm talking about something that happened? I really relate. Yeah, it's a it's a journey. I think all special workers go through this and sometimes I keep it anonymous. It is a a case-by-case basis. That's why I have to rely on higher power a lot. Like I just spoke at a meeting on Friday about step eight. The truth was the truth that working at the general service office, I was sharing some experiences with step eight. How as an isolator, I left from becoming a research scientist, like in a laboratory, not seeing very many people. My world was beautiful, but it was very small. I realized at that 28 years, I have isolation as a defect, a character, because I was trying to work on it. I ended up working at GSO. It's crazy, but every GSO staff member will tell you something different. That's why I said, you, Don, may feel, you know what, you could bring it up in your story. Like, oh, you know, the other day I was doing a podcast recording at the Grapevine and this happened. That's a good thing, being a bleeding deacon and elder statesman. I feel like elder statesmen, we trust the process. That newcomer may be a podcast person in a radio station. You just don't know where it's going to be helpful. But I also know when I'm feeling insecure and not enough, and I, I'm trying to flex, is what they say, the kids say nowadays. You kind of know when you're about ready to do one of these flex things. And then I don't bring it up. I just keep it simple. I hope I encourage you because I feel like, hey, you give people hope as an alcoholic. Oh, my God. Given where you came from. And but it was because you're sober that you're doing this. So that's me. I felt like if we had a podcast about staff members, like special workers, On that question, everybody is different. Some people you would never know. I will say anonymous, you know, it's totally okay. I, by nature, I'm a person that wants to keep it under wraps because I'm going to be 
humble and anonymous. And I was so wrong <laughs> when I first moved here and got that job. I, I wouldn't talk about it. And it just felt so wrong. I guess I'm trying to encourage you to try because you just don't know. You may be the person that needs to keep it quiet. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you just don't know. But to me, it's more humility for me to share that I work at the office because what it took to get there, like it's such a long walk from where I come from. Hmm. And it has changed me so much in the right way, like the power of Tradition 12 and the spirit of love and service and the people I talk to. I know you know what it means. It's like you're doing this and then you're having these experiences. And then I think the last I heard, 180,000 downloads. It's pretty heady. Yeah, it is. And so when I go or speak somewhere, I feel it's the opportunity to literally allow your higher power to demonstrate through you what it means to be sober. You get to be the sober podcast person. And I'm like the sober GSO person. So when they get to experience me, they see that I am just a one more coffee cup holder in a meeting, but I am also a professional. I'm absolutely right for this job. Thank you so much for sharing all this. At about three and a half years sober, I went into business for myself full time and I got a gig traveling internationally, mm -hmm. staying in four and five star hotels. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to 26 different countries, many of them several times over a period of four years. Mm -hmm. um, that's the nutshell version of a really attractive thing that mm -hmm. happened in my sobriety that was holy because I was sober. There's no way that would have happened in my drinking days. And I shared that freely. I have been very reserved about this. Never in a group setting have I shared, I've got this amazing thing happening in my life and it's because I'm sober. Yeah. So working with others talks about both you and the new man may walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. I think it's page 100. And it just says, if you just follow the dictates of a higher power, you'll live in this new and wonderful world, regardless of your current circumstances. So for me, it was just that, okay, working with others, I'm going to go from the laboratory, looks good on paper, graduate school, USC chemistry, 11 patents, biotech scientists, single mom, just rocking it in San Diego. But I was, I was lonely in my soul. I needed something different. And so I started saying, okay, God, I'm ready. Give me the willingness to go to any lengths to be sober. Who knew? I started saying that a couple of weeks. And then this thing about GSO happens. And then I feel like it uncovered that fear, the shame. Like I was embarrassed about talking about how good I'm the first person I could tell you all the horror and the trauma and the tough times. I'm an opposite bragger. I brag about negative stuff. I don't brag about the positive stuff. And then for me to have to be able to tell you about working at GSO, it takes so much God in my life for me to do that. It's easier to brag about the negative stuff. It is. It is. <laughs> There's an element of the positive stuff, though, that feels like bragging and it doesn't with the negative stuff in a way. Well, no, weird. it's self-reliance versus God reliance. It's the me. When I was just a me before I became the we of AA and me, <laughs> we did a lot of stuff that was kind of painful. <laughs> mm. <laughs> self-reliance, driving with the blindfold on, 
by acknowledging all the positive in my life, it's basically acknowledging that AA works. My way entirely running on self-will could not be a success. It was always like coming up short. Can you imagine like if somebody told you in your eighth <laughs> month sober, you didn't even get your nine month ship yet, feeling like a chump. And then they go, oh, guess what you're going to be doing in 2022? Ah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. That's great. Diana, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to chat. Well, I'm too. I really appreciated the invitation. The Grapevine is looking for your story submissions for Why I Love the 12 and 12. Stories are due by December 15th, 2022. Our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book turns 70 next year. Tell us the ways this book has enriched your sobriety. Is there a story about using the book that you'd like to tell? How does your group use it? What are your favorite passages and why? Share your story by December 15, 2022 via aagrapevine.org share. Actually, this quarantine has been great for my prayer and meditation. I think I've finally figured out what God has been trying to say to me. Oh, what's that? That I've been grounded for everything I did before I came into the program. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.